Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the, the people came to the camp, The elders of Israel said, Why has Yahweh defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout, so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of Yahweh had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage, and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men, and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled every man to his home. And there was a great, very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day, with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? When the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, How did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, who was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. This is the word of the Lord. 
So here we have the beginning of a time of war with the Philistines. The Philistines are a major enemy to God's people, the nation of Israel, for several generations, um, certainly up and through the time of David and a good chunk of David's life. As you think of Goliath uh, being the one that David battles against, a very similar picture. As we see the Philistines came into camp and the Israelites camped and they drew up battle lines. That was happening daily with Goliath as he waited for a champion, a challenger of the Israelites to come out. So there's a definite connection here. Same enemy. So the Philistines, if you're looking at a map of Israel and the Mediterranean Sea over in the Middle East, the Philistines would be to the southwest, but they actually, their land comes up north into the area of Israel. So really the the southern half of the nation of Israel does not make it out to the Mediterranean Sea at this point of history. The Philistines have that strip of land. And so if you were to draw draw a line horizontally across from the top of Jerusalem to the sea, that that would be about the northernmost point of the Philistines' land. And so the Philistines were a constant, constant point of struggle for Israel. And this is just one example of that. They lose in the, the battle 34,000 men in total. That's a massive blow. That's a major loss. Now, after the first defeat, which is significantly smaller, but still you know, 4,000 men killed, that's a big deal. They come back to the camp, and what the elders ask, that question is very much like Hannah's prayer. They acknowledge that God did not fight for them that day. They lost because God was not on their side. And so they want to know why. Why was God not for us? They know that he is in control of all things. We're going to get the answer to that over in verse 11. It's the same as chapter 3, verse 11, that God was going to bring about this thing that would cause anyone who heard its ears to tingle. Um, this major event was going to come. Hophni and Phinehas die. Israel falls because their religious leaders were wicked men who had led them astray from the Lord. That's the major emphasis of this chapter. Now, the response of the, the elders to their own question was to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the camp so it would save them. So a question for you to ask yourselves and consider, why did they think the Ark could save them? It kind of gets into the question of what is the Ark, and you learn the answer right here. It's spoken in verse 4. The Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. So, the ark, according to the definition, the description given in the book of Exodus, is built to be a throne. It has a mercy seat. It's a box. It holds stuff, but it has a seat on it. And it has, much like your chair today has an armrest on each side, those cherubim are serving as armrests 
perhaps. Exodus, oddly enough, never defines the size of those two cherubim. They could be small angels on the side, wings outstretched to make those armrests for the throne, or they could be much larger, in which case they're casting shade, they're throwing a shadow upon the throne uh, to keep the one who sits there cool. Exodus left that out. I don't know. But it is the throne of God. So let us bring the throne of God into our battle midst and he will be for us. He will literally go before us was their hope. But it doesn't work. The Israelites shouted when the ark came so that the earth resounded. That's a fun phrase. Uh, the pictures of you, you've seen this. You've heard this. The person goes out into the the empty space, whether it's the, the mountains or whatever, and they shout and they get to hear their voice echo. The earth re-sounded. It echoed. But it was it was an impressive one. I and mean, hear the whole camp of soldiers, hundreds of thousands of men shouting. That would have been that would have been fun to hear. Not for the Philistines though, it terrified them especially when they learned what was going on. Verse 7, they were afraid a God has come into the camp. The Philistines are now afraid that they're not just fighting against men, they're fighting against a God. Now, they're not Christian. They're, they're not part of God's people. They don't believe in a monotheistic faith of one God. They're polytheistic, that there are many gods. So to them, to be up against the God, it's like facing a massive enemy that's that's nearly impossible to defeat. And so they ask the question in verse 8, who can deliver us? And they answer that in verse 9, take courage and be men, O Philistines. Who can deliver us from this God? We can. Let's go fight. Be men. Stand up. Be. F let's fight. That's the wrong answer although it does work in this instance, but because the God who is in that camp is not for those people, it only works. The Philistines are only victorious because God is actually going before them. God is fighting for them instead of for Israel. But I don't want to miss this line in verse 8. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. This is one of the points of everything that happened in the book of Exodus. God sending the ten plagues. That's before that even begins. In Exodus 7 verse 5, we learn that the purpose of the ten plagues is not just to free Israel, but it's also so that the nation of Egypt would come to know that he is God and that some of them may come to believe. Now that word gets out, it gets around, and we see elsewhere as Moses is trying to talk God down out of God's attempt for anger and vengeance upon the sins of the people, wrathful judgment. Moses even admits, why should you defeat them, destroy them completely, and all the nations around say that you did this thing, that you brought them out of Egypt just to wipe them out yourself? Far be it from you. 
This is one of those instances. The Philistines know what happened in Egypt, even though it happened a few hundred years ago, probably about 300 years past. Verse 11, not only did they lose the 34,000 soldiers and the two wicked priests died, the Ark of God was captured. The throne of God was removed from Israel. That's going to become fun in the next chapter, but we'll get to that tomorrow. So, verse 12, a man from the battle runs to make the report. Something very similar happens later in the the book of Samuel with the death of Saul and David, the man running to tell David. Eli, as a priest, was in charge of the ark, caring for it. And so you see that care, that concern in verse 13. He still wants to do his job even at his old age of 98. And the people make the connection too. They cry out when they learn what happened. They're crying out in the suffering of the, the death of the men and also of the loss of the ark. They know God has been taken from them. Although truly God has not been taken from them so much as they remove themselves from God. And now he's allowing them to face the consequences of their sin. What would it be like without him? Now, 18, um, it's not the death of his own sons. It's not the loss of 30,000 people that causes Eli to drop, drop over. It's that the ark is captured. That speaks significantly of Eli's acknowledgement of the situation and what's happening here. He could deal with the loss of the people. He could not deal with the loss of God. Forty years he judged Israel. As we come to the end of the judges and we move into the period of kings in just a few chapters. Question to explore with your children, what are some of the other 40s that you can think of in scripture. Other times you see that number 40. It's a very significant number. Tends to indicate a time of trial and temptation and testing. Um, You've got the 40 years of Israel in the wilderness. You've got the 40 years of Moses' life being divided. Actually, Moses' life being divided into three sets of 40 years. Jesus, as he goes out into the wilderness after his baptism. Lots of 40s, and there are several others you can think of as well. Now, Phinehas's wife was pregnant. Um, the stress, the, the terrible news causes her to go into early labor, and she gives birth to a son, Ichabod, and dies in doing so. So the child becomes an orphan at birth, which is symbolic of what just happened to the nation of Israel. They just were orphaned as they lost their father. Now, verse 22, her own words and the meaning of the name she just gave her son, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. God is no longer with us. We can certainly be thankful today that that is not the case, but that the Lord is with us always. Always. 